Hello and welcome to Northumberland FA's podcast from the sidelines. We're delighted to be joined by Sue Smith, FA Regional Coach Development Officer, Women and Girls, North East. Claire Robinson, FA Women's High Performance Centre, Coach Development Officer for Women and Girls Football. And Betty Langley, Manager of Newcastle United Women's, but also Head of Women's Football at Northumber University. Very much appreciate your time. So thank you for joining us. Um, so this podcast is going to be part of International Women's Day, something that really keen to help promote women and girls football. So we're going to start with Sui. Uh, Sui, can you tell us one of your favourite moments working within female football? Oh, I love that you start with me. Um, there's quite a few, to be fair, um, and it, there's different kind of aspects from it. So I think from a coaching point of view, uh, it would be being part of the Doncaster, Doncaster Bell squad in 2015 uh, in the coaching uh, group. So there was myself, uh, Glenn Harris, Julie Chipchase, uh, and Emma Coates as, as part of the coaching setup there. Uh, we gained promotion to the WSL1. So again, that season was full of highs. Um, being promoted into the top league of women's football was brilliant. But then came the lows because in the season after, we got relegated, um, only picking up three points at the end of the season. So I guess that's, that's one for me in terms of being involved in female football is when you have a high, it comes a low and it's around dealing with differences, dealing with players, supporting players. Um, but yeah, you wasn't really riding the wave too long of the promotion wave because it was straight away back into need to recruit players and things like that. But yeah, certainly a, a testing and a learning couple of years at Doncaster for myself as a coach and with the coaching team as well. Yeah, no, brilliant. And on that promotion, was a, a particular standout that you thought, you know what, that was a big reason or part of the promotion? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, we never won the league. That was red in that season. I think the season before was Sunderland and Claire smiling because she was part of that. Um, <laughs> so we never actually went up as champions. I think a few years later, um, did actually win uh, the Women's Championship to be promoted as champions. But I think it was the, the togetherness for the team. It was kind of... It was in the phase of some was full-time, some was part-time, um, some managing them. And I guess, again, when you win, it breeds positive. It, it creates a good environment. Everyone's happy on a, a Monday following a Sunday result. Um, but we wear a squad and that was the biggest thing. And that's what brought us together. And I think as a the coaching group as well, Chippy um, had really put in a, a good kind of coaching mentor with the females. So Glenn Harris obviously leading the team at Doncaster and then with myself, Emma um, and Sally came towards the end and then obviously Chippy overseeing us. It was a really powerful female coaching group that led off each other. Brilliant. Claire, can you tell us one of your favourite moments working in female football? Um, a little bit similar to Suey. So that journey, so I'll just tag into the to the Sutherland journey that I was, yeah. I was in and I was part of that collaborative group of some real experienced staff that was on there and players that had been for there for a long time as well um, but also seen their journey from being kids that loved the club and then suddenly they were like putting on that shirt and you know you were part of it so I think at that time I think I'd been there for nine nine years as part of it so to see that and see that progress was really part and privy to it um, but you know we obviously you mentioned we'd, we'd won it did you? Um, Did you though? 
<laughs> the players won it certainly from that point of view we were just there to help to facilitate I think from our bit but that was certainly a, a learning journey to be part of you know work and try to work with everyone in terms of staff you know working with the players different mindset from you know predominantly I'd come from a youth background where it was about development and learning into a senior environment so I learned a lot about knowing about players and not just mm-hmm. going in as a one size fits all where you know my expectancy of what coaching was and what it is it was a big learning gap for me and then probably where I, I see myself now is where I probably specialise in or where I see why I enjoy it most as well. Not that I didn't enjoy it, but I think in terms of where I wanna try to help shape where those players ended up, um more, mm-hmm. more than actually dealing with it at the end because I saw some things that I thought I could fix and I wanted to do that and I think privy to that that's what I what I did prior to it. I wasn't a good player. Never yeah. was. I found that out very early days because where I wanted to go and where it ended up it didn't go <laughs> so I knew I was coaching pretty early doors um, but yeah. I love I love the physical fitness side to it um, and we'll touch a little bit later on that but I got some really nice experiences through the England set up and going in different places and be around some female role models that I then aspire to be around but Great. Yeah, that journey was certainly enjoyable the medals there it's collecting dust a little bit at the minute at the yeah. house but, um, but certainly it's one of my most memorable and enjoyable moments Great, and we'll circle, we'll circle back on some of their moments as well. Uh, yeah, Betty, same question, really. Um, yeah, I've had some really great experiences recently, actually. Um, the game we've just had in the last couple of weeks for Newcastle United women against Ipswich is a highlight for me so far. Um, mainly, obviously, despite the result, um, I think playing in front of nearly 3,000 fans is a big moment for women's football. Um and yeah, it was just a really fantastic opportunity to coach in front of a crowd and watch girls that I work with daily. Um, all the hard work they put in week in, week out, they get they got to showcase that um, on a big stage, which was great to inspire the next generation of young girls and boys. Um, but my other highlight has to be winning the league with Northumbria University. That was probably my proudest moment in football so far. So yeah. Great. Now, brilliant. Some great uh, examples there. Um, Next question, I guess, to start with Claire is a big part of growing the female game surrounds volunteer coaches. Um, and obviously, we all know that volunteer coaches is the, the unsung heroes at times, but there's obviously sometimes a lack of them. How do you think uh, those within grassroots football can help increase the number of volunteer coaches? Um, it's certainly where everyone starts. I think yeah. you know, if I go back to my experiences, every job role, if you want to call it that, um, because I came from a generation where there wasn't professionals and there wasn't a full-time jobs and opportunities that there were now, you had to start as a volunteer. So whether I was um, a student placement from a university and went in at someone's advanced centre, you know, um, but then my experience, what I had from there was, was vast. You know, if it was then going in and around, being the sports scientist, volunteering my time, around there with England squads, I started that off. So a lot of my roles that I did, well, it was the first job role I actually had as well, um, as a football development officer at Newcastle Football uh, Development Scheme, um, I volunteered. And I think for me, it was, it shows some of the values and commitment and the, probably the skill sets, and I'm not gonna call them soft skills, but it's the other bits that wrap around that you can't put on a CV. So, you know, the commitment, the value, the arriving on time, actually arriving early a little bit, or just doing all the other bits that you kind of learn to be, to be with each one um, to do it. So, um, but the key thing for me, each environment that I got into was I felt valued. 
and I think that's the key thing about valuing everyone and no one has no one has a I'm going to say pecking order but you know I'm there because I'm giving up my time because mm-hmm. I've got other commitments I've got full-time jobs I've got siblings I've got childcare I've got other things that are going on that literally that like I'm going out of my way to do that because if I didn't someone else might not have done that team might not be there so yeah so in your rules has there been like little ways cute ways of you know enticing what would be maybe as a potential parent or some or even a qualified coach to go I'm going to come and join you and help coach in whatever um, program you're delivering on I think more so it's why they're there the key yeah. thing is why they're there and the next bit is like how you do it because I think that real gaining of it's you know it's, it's for example saying like you wouldn't pay a plumber if they're not qualified so sometimes to get those qualifications and experience and journeys you've got to kind of put the hours in so actually yeah. how do I do that well I might have to go and expose myself to go and do it so uh, and I think just because I have that insight where I've done that and been there and kind of got the t-shirt and you know really spent those hours of the four-hour round trip down to Leeds when I did it because there was nowhere near me that I needed the the level at the time you know the, the game's so much evolved now that you can literally go half an hour down the road and there's a good talent pool there yeah for me I had to go down to Leeds to go and work and, and get through it um for me it was a badge then yeah my license qualification so I've kind of been there done it and I can help sell it and the reasons why and what what I get out of it well there could be some potential job opportunities but also you can find out you don't you don't like it either without then doing it because what everyone perceives coaching is mm-hmm. and then what it actually is it's so much as a different thing of that yeah so yeah is a you know in your role as uh with the FA is the things that you've seen with with trying to encourage more coaches yeah we've got obviously I won't bore you too much, but you could read the FA strategy of the next four years. Um, but one of the big things is to recruit more women and girls into coaching. And I think the three of us that are sat in the room, we've mostly got into coaching because we've we've played, like Claire said, not very well. I can't comment on, I can't comment on Becky, but... I've watched you play. I, I was going to say, you've seen me play, but we maybe fell into it because we loved playing the game and that was a way into still loving the game by coaching. I think... Now we're in a, a different situation where the girls' game in participation is growing. We need female role models within that, um, and definitely within the grassroots and the Weetabix Wildcats. We're trying to have a big hit on recruit, recruiting females into supporting Wildcat centres. Um, so we have got some um, kind of strategies in place around stepping over the sidelines, stepping over the grass where we're going to try and speak to, to parents, mainly mums, sisters, aunties on the sidelines, and try and give them the confidence that actually there might be a teacher, there may be a nurse, or whatever their occupation is. The skills that they've got can transfer into coaching, and the bit that they might be scared of or not know enough of the football, that's where myself, Becky, Claire, the female uh, FA mentors, the Wildcat community champions, we can then, f- and yourself, Floyd, I mean, you're not in your head, sorry, and, and yourself, but that's where we we kind of put the missing link of the football and give them that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there is a huge drive of, of trying to get female coaches within within coaching. It doesn't have to be in the girls' game. They can go into the boys' game, they can go into futsal. They can go anywhere, but we just need, with the amount of players of girls that we've got coming through, we haven't got enough coaches. Um, yeah. And it's always the dads or or maybe the uncles that take the team because they've got the love of football. But actually, there's a plenty of females that have got the skills to be a coach. The missing bit is what we can help them with at the FA. 
yeah, yeah, brilliant. And I think just stealing something from a chat we had uh, quite a few weeks ago about, and again, this actually might be a bit difficult sometimes because it's needing an extra female, but almost having a buddy system. So if there's two females, two mums, aunties, whoever it may be, that have some form of interest, trying to entice both of them to come in as a as a pair, I, I think that might help as well uh, yeah I think we said about like just like a lot of there might be parents they might have other children and, and that commitment they might not be able to do it so uh-huh. it's a buddy enough it gives them that like freedom to admit I can't make tonight without having any guilt or anything like that because they know that the other coach is there or they might have a rotor system uh, I think it's just great for girls to to see a female in front of them but that's not to discourage male coaches because mm-hmm. again they've got uh, we've got amazing coaches within the game male and female it's just giving everyone the right support and opportunity yeah no brilliant so just on that theme of the women's game developing uh have you seen this kind of growth within your role anti fascinated women Becky yeah i think there's there's so much growth within the women's game especially with my role at newcastle women um i think the biggest thing for me is the leaders we're producing in our current squad and that's not just your kind of senior players I think there needs to be that hierarchy within the team where your senior leaders kind of lead by example but those young players actually being role models um, and inspiring that next generation um, a lot of our players are actually coaches themselves which I think is really important um, a lot of the girls run their own little Saturday girls team and coach boys football during the week so I think that's fantastic, but that also pushes us as coaches to, you know, make sure the sessions are even better and higher quality because you're not just coaching players, you're coaching girls that want to aspire to be coaches as well. Um, but yeah, I think the game is constantly developing. Um, the wraparound support we now have for the players and obviously the growth in our staff is showing that the game's developing. Um, the opportunities for people to have paid roles within our clubs really important. Um, but as Claire was saying, you know, it's really important to have those volunteers and there's a value in having volunteers as well. Um, because they're doing it for a different reason. There's that passion, it's not money driven. Um, but I always say I still have the exact same values and commitment I did when I was a volunteer as now a paid member of staff in terms mm-hmm. of commitment, not missing sessions and making sure everything I do is enthusiastic and inspiring other females that I'm currently coaching. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, as I was saying, one of my favourite moments in football so far has been that Ipswich game at Kingston Park, Newcastle Falcon Stadium. Um, I think it was at the end of the game, even though we'd lost, you, you're walking over to the crowd disheartened because you've been knocked out of the FA Cup 1-0. But at the same time, you're looking at those kids in the crowd and they're just so excited to be getting a photo with their teacher who might be playing centre midfield for us or yeah, yeah. Um, you know their parents or it might be their auntie or sister or whoever who was playing in our team and yeah my <laughs> mum or and it was it was interesting because you look at in that crowd and like I was obviously absolutely gutted we'd lost the game but I wasn't disappointed because it meant more than just winning a football game it meant actually inspiring people that they would then get involved in football whether that's a coaching role or playing um so yeah Great. it's fantastic and just on the growing the female game i think about how many in our squad particularly are coaching in some capacity yeah 
there's a good chunk of players, and I think that in itself shows that the growth in the game that there's more players now that are currently playing, but also yeah. giving up their time to coach elsewhere. Um, I think I think a bit on that, Laura, just to come in on like it takes time to be a good coach. So when we look at player to coach transitions, mm-hmm. and so we've all kind of done that because that's where we came from. But we've started to kind of look at those now. Like it's just a bit of a we're not telling the players they're retiring because actually it takes time to become a good coach. So we actually need to do it at the right times to help them just do it so they can balance their life balance the playing but then actually get them involved in around just to learn and be in those yeah. environments because again the valuable playing experiences so it, it, a, a young player and a kid will look up to them because they're playing at this moment in time and they've got those playing experiences the coaching elements like how to get them to learn but that's still a learning skill itself so it's a kind of easier or better to start them earlier rather than that oh, I'm going to retire now I'm going to be a coach because they still have to then learn everything else so it's kind of it bits is having those discussions and having those chats with them and try to say look we're not telling you you're going to retire but if it's mm-hmm. something that you'd really like to get involved in because that's for us that's the next ones to kind of come through even those that have maybe decided to move away from the game for other reasons of it could be childcare, it could be you know something they're a mum and all those other bits but they might want to get back involved in it and whatever then level that they are they, they'll be the next mums because they'll be coaching their daughters and yeah. we need that confidence to kind of for them to say look come and just step cross that line a lot of what Suey was work we mentioned before and it would be great to kind of see them and I'm not saying it has to be a girls team because we've got some good coaches that are females and the boys as well at this moment in time it's just helping them to actually bridge the confidence bit and the self esteem that we know current research is saying that they, they are lacking at this moment in time but I think um, you know from, from our bit I think definitely there's a player aspect to it there's a mum aspect to it and mm-hmm. there's a little bit about valuing what Becky was saying before about the value of the volunteer. Yeah, and obviously a bit of a theme on the last few questions about the game developing, um, but with the, with that development always comes challenges and potential barriers that, I guess, demand a calm problem-solving approach. Um, so, yeah, I know maybe touched on it before about, you know, problem-solving and coming up with ideas but about volunteer coaches, but what other challenges may we potentially come across as the game develops? Yeah, I guess I'll throw it back to you as well, Lloyd, in yeah. terms of facilities. So the more teams and more players mm-hmm. and more coaches, where they're going to go. So like resources, i.e. facilities, and whether it's training or playing, I think that's going to impact quite a lot, um, and especially in the women's game, because as the women's game is becoming more professional, and rightly so, there's ground, ground requirements. And again, yeah. if you live in an area where you don't have access to certain ground kind of requirements. You might have to move out the area to just to play in a certain league. So I think mm-hmm. with it comes, the more you progress in the female game as, as, as a team, the more expense it happens. And I'm, I'm sure yeah. you, you will lose that more, um, again, because you're fighting for promotion into tier three, but a lot of it will become around, does your ground fit the league requirements? Yeah, yeah. And it's funny because just on the one facilities, I was at a club, uh, probably five minutes down the road from here and the ha- club's having to be a bit more pragmatic to to kind of facilitate the demand of the game growing with so many kids trying to train at once and it was amazing to see how they pretty much used every blade of grass to make sure that any potential session that could have happened that night did in the weren't turned away so no I think facilities is something that particularly those maybe just listening to the podcast will uh, 
certainly resonate with and it might be that if they get time in the, in the thing you know this is the amount of pitch base we've got uh is there actually a way of shifting or rotoring teams on that same night so so teams get a particular amount of space but also everyone gets to train um challenge on that as well as traditionally the slots that the female teams get are the worst slots yeah, it's always the kind of the add-on so Monday nights Friday nights <laughs> yeah <laughs> half eight till ten anything on a Tuesday no. yeah, yeah and I think it's got to be just seen as it's worth of its programme because actually sometimes with some clubs I know they're, they're they, they can't they're actually doing better than the boys so they're actually they're inspiring there's more to it and there's more demand mm-hmm. and actually then they have some justifications to go like when does it fit right you know so actually is it just because the friday night is actually it's just the adult perception because the kids don't care it's just another night isn't it really yeah. or is it actually where does it fit in around because i've got other stuff going on it's like what would be the barrier to the females going to go and get there or if it's a sunday morning slot the side do you know what i mean so it's actually delving a little bit more deeper into the reasons why or why not it's happening and then to kind of help and support it um, going yeah. along because so, there's some good practice stuff around like players are involved in within clubs where they, they utilise their own coaches and it subsidises their subs yeah. so there's some really good stuff going around with some grassroots clubs as well so actually and rather than paying the coaches to do it actually they get some money back because again we, we talked about just a little bit before about tra- like travel is a big one you know it is a travel like you know you're looking at probably an hour easy for each of the games when you're going to tier five and four with the league so mm-hmm. and also yourselves is realizing and then if you go high end tier two the local derby is only Sunderland and Durham and then the nearest game is Sheffield so which is a good one yeah. <laughs> uh, to travel so um, I think we need like this type of stuff is like logistics isn't it sorting facilities and other stuff out but then the next question is, okay, we've given you the facilities, we've given you the time slot we want, we've given you the nice Wednesday night session, but why still are females not putting themselves forward to coach, to push themselves out of their comfort zones? And there is some great female and male coaches in the women's and men's game and the girls' and boys' game, but then you'd argue sometimes, you know, there's always the argument, are people pushed into positions because they're female or because of their sexuality, race, etc. Um, but at the same time, I think I heard this on another podcast, so I can't steal it myself. <laughs> but the question is, what if the right people are not actually applying for the job? So why are we not represent as represented as we would like to be? And that's obviously the podcast around International Women's Day. Like why are more females not putting themselves forward? And... I was obviously I'm still a young female and I asked the question why I wanted to get involved, probably similar to to Sue and um Claire that I loved playing football and you know, wanted to continue as long as I could, but with career wise you can, there is a choice I guess where you can't fully commit to your coaching if you're still playing potentially as much as you want to. Um but I think it is about making it as inclusive as possible so that young females do want to get involved and do want to coach and put themselves in positions of responsibility I guess yeah and, and on that one about opportunities I think leads us nicely to the next question about something that we've tried to introduce locally here in Northumberland County for uh, female coaches uh, so I'm coming back at Siri let them get me money's worth tonight um, we've recently introduced the Lionesses Coach Development Programme uh, so can you tell us a little bit more about it 
Yeah, I think it was, say, a discussion between you and I um, in terms of how do we get the next Becky Langley in mm -hmm. 15, 20 years, maybe 40 years, depending on how yeah. long she's in the job for. But, <laughs> but it, they've got to come from somewhere, and I think yeah. um, because of the amount of girls that are playing football now and opportunities within, um, whether it's like Newcastle Foundation or, again, clubs uh, within the FA, there is jobs out there, um, and I think because there's more players, eventually they'll turn into coaches. Um, so I think the Lionesses scheme is something where, look, because Northumberland's got a fantastic like coach development program, the, the CPD that's on offer from your county FA is unreal, and that's for all coaches. But if you look back and scale up the data, like it's what like one percent that if if that a female coach is attending. So I think there's a there's a place for that female only. That's not to say it'll always be female only because I think the bigger picture would be to integrate them into the the, the coaching program. But we want it, we want to create that group to make them feel safe, mm -hmm. to to have say a network where they can bounce ideas. Um, because I, I remember tutoring a level one a few years back and there was only one female in the room. And first off, she went. Oh, I don't know as much because you guys will know it all, kind of thing. And she was just—I think it was that one there's what she said it, but it always stuck with me that actually, she's more than likely saying that just because she has the knowledge, but she just feels—and not from any fault of the coach in the room—but just feels intimidated to mm -hmm. share it. And I think when you have a room of like-minded um, females that potentially have a lot of good skill set confidence they might be open to start like conversations with each other have that network um it's a safe space and they might not think or feel like that anything a stupid question or or kind of like that so i think it's really important that we start off this group we invite players that again that might be interested so again might be 16 or university where they think i'm interested in coaching i'm not sure we might have mums. Um, by the looks of it, we've got quite a lot of BT playmaker and intercoaching football level one coach. It was brilliant. Um, so they're all kind of starting this, the journey at the, the same time and similar qualification. And I think it'd be great to grow it, but then eventually have that little bit of, give them the confidence to go, there's a CPD at Northumberland County FA, it's open for all. And that network going, is anyone going down tonight? Yeah, and there's six females all of a sudden. And, and that's for us is success is around getting them that confidence to go, it didn't. It doesn't matter if it's a female only, they go in and yeah. they've got that group. Brilliant. So the main body of the programme's uh, three workshops, which myself and Siri will be co-delivering on, um, but just leading on from some of the, the benefits of female only stuff, Claire's is stuff that you've seen from your experiences in coach education that will probably help, I guess, uh, encourage any, any female coaches listening that, actually there's there's more than just one benefit of them attending the programme. Yeah, I mean, you'll get everyone in the room that just kind of, they're just a volunteer or they might be aspiring and that's just, you'll create your own network and I think that's really important because you need to find your allies that are around you. So certainly when I started off my coach and I still have, it's a small world, you still meet and greet them because the women's game that can be that small at times but what you need to feel is that there's other people on the journey with you and I have to appreciate now, which I've, it took me, like, when I first started, I thought everyone just had my mindset. Like, I didn't mind being the only female in the room. I didn't mind, but I probably had, because I had older brothers, that, right. that's probably, like, even though I was a twin, um, that it was, like, normalised. So I didn't, like, I was okay with that. But 
not everyone is and I think that's what we just have to appreciate at times like how do we help them step over come into it feel appreciated feel confident you know um it, it is like you said it has come from like they're saying that if you've got three out of five the woman won't step forward if she thinks she's got you know the attributes where a male male colleague will you know so it's like how do we help just support that then after that it just builds your confidence from it so again going around you know because you are good enough that's a bit like the the operational skill sets that come from you know I just know even from being a mom, being organised on a day where you can actually do your own thing, look after your child, and do everything else. Like it's it's like a minefield, but that organisation can come and be transferred into the coaching setting that's needed because you you build your environment. The knowledge comes next. I'd rather deal personally with someone who is a good person, has good values, and then help build their knowledge and skill sets later than actually from somebody who thinks that they know everything and there's yeah. a wrong set to it. Uh, and that's generally the, the most to kind of do it. Mm-hmm. if they then want to aspire and then be what we call as an intentional coach or want to have that career want to be a Betty Langley and you know um, want to be your, uh, your Bev Priestmans and you know your Steph Libby's and, and Melvies of the of the northeast then you know there is a program for that too as well and that's where that aligns at the Women's High Performance Centre so the aspirations are there and the opportunities are there but it's just you know knowing where they might start off on that journey and we all start somewhere yeah, yeah, no, and I agree completely because I think when we were sitting down to you, like a, a big part of it wasn't just about trying to transfer content to potential new coaches or intentional coaches, but it's actually building that confidence. It's not just about the knowledge base increasing. Um, it's about alleviating any barriers, actually showing them that it's not such a scary thing to do Uh the whole coaching world, so brilliant. Um, it's scary though. It's yeah, scary. Don't, don't listen. No one listens to me. <laughs> it's easy, isn't it, Becky? It's easy. There's nothing. You've just got to wake up in the morning and go home. Isn't it? <laughs> Ask them on the third of April. Yeah. <laughs> What's happening on the third? That's how you secret. <laughs> it is no. the third of April, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I won't give it away. <laughs> no, great. Just on that, uh, quite you know, like a side topic, uh, Betty. Is there a female role model that uh, is inspired, isn't easy for me to say, has inspired you? I think it's a, it's a really interesting question and I get asked this quite often um, around a female role model that inspired me. But if I'm really honest with myself, I think there was a lack of visibility for, for me to actually have female role models in the game. Um, I think you've got your, your natural, your Shelley Cares, your Hope Powells, um, who were strong females in leading positions, um, which was obviously growing up, was great to see that kind of female, you know, at the top of the table leading the groups. Um, but for myself, I, I didn't really feel that. And I think that's the issue. When I grew up, when I grew up, as I was, sorry, as I was growing <laughs> up, that should have been, you know, I could roll off the tongue, 10, 15 yeah. female role models that have inspired me. And I'd like to think now that young girls growing up would have tons of role models from the England Lionesses teams, um, their local women's teams like our Newcastle United team where there's female role models in that group um, who are inspiring the next generation. But for me, there wasn't. Um, I've always kind of had male role models. I've only ever been coached by two women. Um, the rest have all been male male coaches. Um, and obviously, was a was a fan growing up watching 
um, your David Beckham's, Michael Owens, etc. That I wanted to be like as a player. So who um, do you sport again? Just for those listening. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. Um, can you tell us? I am a Middlesbrough fan. Yes. Middlesbrough. Fans. Um, but it's weird because I think when you work in football, like it is hard to become a supporter because you have that love for where you work. So when I worked at Forest, I had that passion for wanting the team to do well so that our team would do well, um, similar at Newcastle. So, yeah, I think um, in terms of role models, realistically, though, for me, it's my family. Uh-huh. Female role models in my family. I was inspired by watching my mum go out and do 50, 60-hour week, uh, working weeks in the police force. Um, so that was kind of what inspired me. Um, who Please. actually, strangely now, coaches... Um, under nine boys and under 12 girls football so again why did she get involved in that maybe me pushing is one of the reasons but I thought she had transferable skills when she retired from the police that would inspire others to want to get involved and obviously she had skills that could help those kids she coaches so she's not a bad coach yeah she's she's not bad she's a level (laughs) two um great well she's been asked to do what you were for b i don't know whether she's confident enough to go for it um but at the same time yeah i think it's good because she's coaching a boys group and they don't bat an eyelid that it's a female coach but why would they and this Mm -hmm. is a big question i have to ask like Young lads, especially growing up, are used to their role models, females, their mums, aunties, their teachers are predominantly female. So actually turning up to football and being a female coach shouldn't be a shock. Um, but yeah, I think, um, yeah, in terms of role models, there's there's been a few. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah. <laughs> Uh, Same uh, question. Well, I think first off, we need to ring Becky's mum and see if she says that <laughs> Becky is her role model. Um, Put her so, on loudspeaker. Yeah. <laughs> Same really with the chat. Like mine would be like so my role model, Eric Cantona. So again, yeah. growing up, seeing him collar up and, and things like that, and and then I go, it was visibility. Uh, there wasn't very many like so. If, again, at my time at Doncaster when I was eighteen, Karen Walker, she was really only the one that was visible. Um, but I've never been coached by a female. So when you said then I was like, just thinking back, I was like, I've never actually been coached by a female coach. Um, but I'm a lot older than you, so there we go. <laughs> but, but now it's the visibility, and I think it's so exciting, especially again, Women's International Day. You turn on the TV, you've got Alex Scott, you've got, you've got uh, Sue Smith, you've got many more players or kind of uh, pundits that not necessarily have played the game yeah. so, um, that are now having that opportunity to step forward. So I think it's really important that even on the radio, like I've done a few commentaries uh, for BBC Humberside. Um, if you don't know where that is, that's in Hull. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Everyone's getting on Google Maps. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but again, it, it's a case of if you know, know your stuff and you work hard, um, and I think that's what Alex Scott said around. She just didn't stop playing football and to walk into commentary. She's done a degree, she's doing yeah. like university courses. She and the, the research that her Karen can do before yeah. games is unreal. Yeah. And now they're on like Talksport. You've got Laura on Talksport and Sky Sports. And I think, do you know what the visibility of females is that you don't have to play the game to be in a role um, in football. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's other ways that you can be involved in football if it's not coaching or playing I think that's brilliant like say for the boys and girls that want to be the next match of the day presenter well you you've got absolute like different kind of genders race any anything now and it's brilliant to see on tv it's brilliant to hear on the radio 
Um, so I think, again, if I had my time again and I was growing up as a, a girl, um, I think I'd be looking at someone like, I don't know, one of the players. Uh, I don't want to name many players because um, mm-hmm. Claire will say that she's coached her. <laughs> um, but like, even as a coach like Emma Hayes, the stuff that that she talks about on Sky Sports and the prayers that she's got, I think more recently, was it Ian Wright and yeah. um, Brendan Rodgers not so she's long ago? brilliant, isn't she? Yeah. I think with Emma Hayes, she's like quite bold with her views, mm. and I think people have got a lot of time for that, haven't they? Yeah. It comes across really authentic, really genuine, and she knows what her values are and sticks by them. And she's not, she's not PG either, which I quite like. Like <laughs> she says it how it is, and yeah. you can almost feel that raw emotion in her post-match interviews. And I think like that, yeah, probably now for me in my current coaching role, that's someone I would want to inspire to be like. Um, so I think we need more Emma Hayes yeah. I think there's too many people wanting to say the, the right answer yeah. like you that, just have to, sorry, that, sorry yeah that just that real raw genuine this is how it is at Chelsea and this is what goes well and this is what doesn't go well and just owns everything I think that's so important wouldn't it be great as well if like so obviously like the Amazon when it was like Man City and then Leeds and, and uh, Tottenham and then but wouldn't it be great to have obviously you got the West Ham one a BBC I player but have something like that all or nothing with like the Chelsea team yeah, yeah. and like be good. even like picking up Pep's like autobiography and everyone's like talking have you read it wouldn't it be great to get Emma's and just go right let's have a yeah. proper read of that and I think the time will come of the next four to six years where what we're talking about today, we'll, we will see, and I'll be picking up Becker's. <laughs> there we go. Reading it. It's interesting, though, because you go back to, like, your Hope Powell's and stuff, and, like, when I read her autobiography, like, a few years ago, it's the amount of barriers she's had to push through as a black female in the game to actually be taken seriously first and foremost yeah. and then actually have the courage and confidence to go and lead a group. Like... Stealing my role model there. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, and I don't think the role models necessarily have to come from football either. Mm. Like you're saying, it, different parts of football, whether it's your punditry, etc. But there's leading female figures in business, in other areas that we can be going, oh, I like a bit of that, and that might actually help me become a better coach. 